and welcome back to The Big Wake Up Call. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time to visit with my next guest, who is an associate editor for National Geographic Kids Books. And we're going to talk about a brand new one from National Geographic Kids. Can't get enough horse stuff. And let's visit with Christina Sauer. Christina, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I'm so excited to be here and talk about this amazing, crazy horse bug. (laughs) Well, if part of your target audience is eight-year-old girls, it is successful because this book came in and my daughter basically ripped it away from me. Oh, that's exactly who we're going for. As a former horse girl, this is one of the most fun books to work on. And anyone ages seven to ten, and quite frankly, all ages, are going to love learning as much as they can about horses while also completing some fun activities and games and taking some personality quizzes. There's something for everyone in this book. Absolutely. Oh, and I, I think I learned just as much as uh, as anyone reading these with my daughter and some things I never would have expected about horses like you. And, and the one that struck me, you just see horses. You see them, oh, they're they're eating oats in hay, but there's a recipe in here for like peppermint cookies. I didn't know horses could have something like that. Oh, isn't that fascinating? I was lucky enough to have horses as a child. Aww. And we had this horse named, named Princess Lilac, who peppermint was her favorite treat. And who would have thought? A bunch of sugar. They just love it. You can also give them sugar cubes. So if you don't have peppermints lying around, you can substitute a sugar cube in there. Um, and so it's really, really fun activities that parents, grandparents, and kids can do and then go give a treat to a horse. I guess I've, I have seen people give the horses sugar cubes. I think I mainly just saw that on TV, but that's something that horses can really, not too much, right? But they can. they like some sweetness. Absolutely. Just like humans, you have to moderate how much sugar you take in. I just remember thinking of horses. My son was probably two, three years old, and we're driving by a farm and says, Daddy, I've never seen horses in the wild. And I thought, A, that was adorable, but made me think most of the horses we see are, are on a farm or, or on a ranch or at the zoo. Are, are there still places where we could potentially see horses out in the wild? Absolutely. And especially here in the U.S., we have so many places, whether in the Carolinas or near me in Maryland oh. or out in the West, we see 86,000 Mustangs alone are free in the United States. I'd just love to see some running around Chicago. Right? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah, we have um, out in the Chincoteague and Assateague Islands, um, we have horses that are just roaming on the beach. So you can just be a beachgoer and have some horses come up and take a nibble. <laughs> You think of horses as, you know, like kind of a, a, a burden animal. They're doing work. You're riding horses. But I, I don't think enough attention is paid. And as I learned in the book, just how valuable, how uh, there can be some therapeutic uses, just how much of a companion animal a horse can be. Yeah. So horses have been around humans for probably we estimate about 6,000 years and we talk about a little bit about how they used to be animals that we used for travel and herding and agricultural purposes. But today they are honestly our friends. And like you said, they're very much companions and can help us out. We have two different um, sections in this book that talk about therapy. And one we call hippotherapy, which you might think, oh, is that therapy with hippos? Yeah. Actually, it's just horses. <laughs> and then, uh, it teaches individuals because a horse's gait or the way they move, so it's their walk or canter, things like that, it stimulates 
humans walking. So when you sit on a horse, it almost is as if you are walking. So you may, if you have an individual with cerebral palsy or another disability that they need a strengthening of their core, we put them on horses and horses have this intuition that they seem to understand what's going on and you can strengthen your body. And even if you don't have um, a physical limitation, we know that it's really good for our mental and emotional health as well as well as lowering our blood pressure and keeping us healthy and strong. Well, and, you know, and I've done that just, um, you know, there's a little farm not too far from here. You can visit, you know, you can see a cow being milked, but you have the opportunity to ride and pet a horse. And I don't know, just, just petting that horse automatically, I feel like I am calm just doing this as much as I would be petting a, you know, a dog or a cat. Exactly. Honestly, they kind of fall in the same category. They're just a little bit bigger than your average dog or cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and one of the things you mentioned, there are fun games and quizzes in the book, which which my daughter loved. You have jokes and riddles. I feel like, you know, you guys do such a good job but with, uh, you know, you mix the facts and the fun. And then, of course, the, the, the beautiful photos that uh, National Geographic is known for. Yes. So this book is very aspirational. And as a parent, a librarian, a teacher, grandparent, when you're looking at books for your kids, you want them to have fun and enjoy reading. I mean, who wouldn't want your kids to get invested in a book? But we like to pair that with what do kids really like? And so in this book, especially that 7 to 10-year-old range, they're asking so many questions in life. One, they want to just have fun. They want to play games. They want to tell jokes, which you find in here. But they also do want to learn, like, what am I going to be when I grow up? Why do, what do I have an interest in? And we touch on that. So maybe you're taking a personality quiz, which but kid doesn't like taking a personality quiz and you're yeah. learning about yourself being like, okay, what, what's my temperament? What kind of things do I like? What don't I like? And then in the end you find out which horse you'd be. So the kids are now learning not only about themselves, but also learning some facts about horses and what they're like. Or maybe you take a quiz about what job you could do with horses. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, if I want to work with horses, I have to either be a trainer or a veterinarian. And we say, well, yes, that is some options, but that's not the only options here. So you take your quiz and you might find out you could be that therapist that we were talking about and become an occupational therapist and work with kids on horses for the rest of your life. Well, and we see a lot of horses in mythology. Like, it's just been such an important, it's been an iconic animal, probably, as you say, for for 6,000 years. There there just seems something, I, I look at a horse and I just feel like respect. Yes. Well, and it's funny you bring up mythology. I feel like this age group, especially in the era of Percy Jackson and, and different books that relate to, and Harry Potter, where sure. they're talking about lore and mythology, Kids are already exposed to these, but they don't really understand, you know, what is a hippogriff? What is a unicorn? And we go into it that they don't exist, but they were based on horses. Like that hippogriff was the body of a horse with the head of a, of a griffin and, and talons and wings. And then also characters like Poseidon in Greek mythology had a cart and a chariot that was pulled by horses with the tail of a fish. Yeah. And that was called a hippocampus. You mentioned Percy Jackson. I just have a shout-out to a Five-Timers Club member and one of our listeners, Rick Riordan. So, hi, Rick. We get, you get, I got a shout-out today. Oh, we love Rick over here at Disney and <laughs> National Geographic. Absolutely. Um, so, you were, were lucky enough to grow up with horses. What What's something from that you, you know, had such a personal relationship? What's something about that that, you know, the average person might not know? 
Yeah. So one of the first things you learn when you actually are working with horses is to kind of gauge what are they feeling? Because we can't just hop on a horse like we jump in a car and take a ride. You need to understand what are they feeling today? Are they in the mood to be read, ridden? So we talk a little bit about horse emotions and communication of animals in this book. Um, and so what are the signs that an animal or a horse has um, that you can notice? What are they feeling? So, for example, if you're, you see a horse and its ears are pinned back, you see these curled lips and it's pawing the ground, that's kind of the horse's signal to you to stay away. It's feeling very angry and you might want to figure out, is it just going through a really bad day or is something around it causing it to be upset? Or is your presence feeling a little threatening and how can you change it? Or maybe you see your horse's eyelids drooping, its head's dropped, ears are out to the side, it looks just pretty lazy today. And that just means it's feeling very calm and relaxed. And it's a really good thing for a rider, too, to understand and connect with the horse so that both you and the horse are safe. The new book, it is from National Geographic Kids. It's Can't Get Enough Horse Stuff. It is now available where books are sold. My guest is Associate Editor for National Geographic... Let's try that again. Three, two. My guest is an Associate Editor for National Geographic Kids Books. We've been visiting with Christina Sauer. And Christina, thank you so much for calling in today. Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm so excited for kids to get their hands on this wonderful book. Thanks for having me. And welcome back to The Big Wake Up Call. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time to get to my next guest. It is hard to believe we are talking back to school already. In fact, my daughter returns to school just uh, a week from today, which means, of course, you're going to start seeing school buses hitting the streets all over the neighborhood. We've got to stop right across the street. And for many districts, the ride to school has never been better thanks to clean and affordable energy options. Here to discuss how we can make the ride to school the best it can be and returning to the show is Tucker Perkins, who is president and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council. And Tucker, welcome back to the show. Ryan, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. I don't know where the summer went. I mean, I know we were busy, but I feel like the kids were just getting out of school, and now we're just uh, we're just a week away. It's amazing how that flies. And we get excited this time of year. You know, again, fall's not far out, but it's a, just a great time to change the conversation about what we've always done, to get to get out of diesel, make this diesel's last decade, and let's get into a modern way to get children to school, to have them get to school safer, quieter, calmer, healthier, and while we do it, benefit the environment and save the school system some money. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking about it. You know, there is such a level of of trust as a parent that you have to have in, in sending your child to school on a school bus, both, you know, physical safety, but then, yeah, thinking. And and you and I probably both grew up with, you know, the, the, the cloud of exhaust coming out of the school bus. When you put it that way, you know, there are safety and legitimate health concerns just sending your child to school on the bus. It's a real different way to think about safety. And, you know, today, you're right. We all know that cloud of black smoke. And now we know more about that cloud of black smoke, right? Harmful pollutants, 
that aren't good for anyone's lungs, but particularly hard on children's lungs. Yeah. Create the conditions for asthma, bronchitis. Uh, it, those buses are quieter. They get to school calmer. They're more ready to learn. They can converse with their driver. The driver can hear their conversations. Better for the environment. And as you said, as a person who lives with a bus stop across from your house, when that bus pulls away, that cloud of black smoke is right. gone. They make the switch to propane. Now, if we rode on a propane bus, students, you know, if, if grownups went uh, on a propane bus, would we notice a difference just riding on it compared to uh, the old diesel buses? You would immediately notice several differences. No smell. You think about that. You yeah. get on that bus and it was it was smelly. Uh, you would get on that bus in the middle of the winter and it would be warm and comfortable and inviting. But the one thing that students and drivers and teachers tell me over and over is they notice quiet, quieter. Yeah, I imagine that would be the uh, the number one thing for a bus driver. I just remember not even being able to have a conversation with my friends and not even thinking about just how much the, the, uh, the engine system of the bus had to do with that. We have completely overlooked, even us, so focused on the engine and the fuel and the emissions and the cost, we've overlooked quiet. And now right. we know... Students talk to us about quiet. Drivers talk about they can hear conversations. They can converse in normal tones. But what I really engage is what teachers tell me. Their students come to school more prepared to learn. They get into learning mode faster. Quiet is so important. Costs can be a concern for school districts. Are are there ways that schools can pay for the cleaner buses? You know, most modern technologies come at an exorbitant price. With propane, because it's a simpler technology, we're able to achieve these wonderful emissions with simple methods. They're at parity with diesel, often cheaper than diesel. The operating cost is half that of diesel. And I think the government sees the validity of needing to get from diesel to propane. EPA has a $5 billion fund right now that school systems can use to change from diesel to propane for their school buses. Just a myriad of reasons for a school system to make that shift. Now, we've got parents at home listening, and of course, from from many school districts all across the area, they're hearing this saying, wait, why doesn't my school district have propane buses, or how can we get propane buses for our school? What, what can parents do to help make that happen? Yeah, we want parents in this conversation. We believe parents are important as a part of their child schooling and the education. We created a website. It's betterourbuses.com. It's a place for parents to first go to learn, to learn about these facts, to learn how to engage, why to engage, perhaps where to engage. And so we want parents to start at betterourbuses.com. I'm trying to think of, you were talking about the quiet of a, of a propane bus, how much that would have benefited me in high school as a procrastinator to have that quiet to finish my homework on the bus. It's just amazing. You know, I have a great job and I'm able to travel and speak with people who both have problems and have solutions. But here, talking to students and their teachers or their nurses about uh, how it's changed the lives of the students by coming to school better prepared to learn, healthier, happier. It just is the right way to go. And we need we need to make this shift. It's it's better for the child, better for the community, better for the earth, better for our pocketbooks. 
Yeah, there's. A, it seems like a benefit all around for the students, both for, for health and safety and quiet. And uh, so, Tucker, where again can we go for more information? Because I know our parents would uh, would love to get involved. Betterourbuses.com. And that is the way to do it. We've been visiting with Tucker Perkins, who is president and CEO of the Propane Education and Research Council. Tucker, great to talk to you again, and uh, I guess happy back to school. Ryan, thanks. Hope you have a great back-to-school season, and thanks for having me today. I'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Will do. Thank you.